Well, hello. Welcome to the Bold Men's Podcast. Indeed, John. Welcome. Yes, yes, yes. It's Joe and I sitting here at the table talking about Ephesians chapter 5. So go on and grab your Bible um, or or read really quickly chapter 5 of Ephesians uh, verses 1 through 20. Uh, 21. 21. And then come back and join us, Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. All right. All right. So it's been a couple of weeks, Joe. Um, we it's been a been hot minute, to, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Uh, but but <laughs> he, here we are tonight. We pick up in chapter 5, and Paul's been writing this, this circuit uh, letter, um, yeah. uh, kind of laying some groundwork for us. And um, uh, he's been talking about what God has done. And here in chapter 5, he kind of shifts into this conversation about uh, our responsibility. We, you know, we've talked yeah. a couple different times about how uh, God's sovereign, like there's a sovereign choice and a, uh, a God's sovereignty, but it's coupled uh, with our responsibility. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, another way to say it is uh, Christianity is uh, uh, the most inclusive faith system there is. True, uh, and yet and, exclusive. And yet very exclusive. Absolutely. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, uh, and so here in chapter 5, we kind of shift uh, in some ways, uh, and we're focusing probably more on the idea of our responsibility uh, here in this little section. Yeah, you know, uh, over the last couple podcasts, we were dealing with that unity that we were trying to gain in the church through the body of Christ. And uh, talked a lot about how there's unity through the diversity of the different members and yeah. serving those functions and and how that needs to live in, lead into living that new life in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of that responsibility you're talking about. He was introducing this idea, you know, it's in your court, right? Mm-hmm. You you need to start living it out, speak the truth yeah. to each other, living in truth with each other. So... <clears throat> This, in essence, is a continuation of that idea that that uh, what does that new life look like? Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. This is really where Ephesians gets exciting. If if you uh, yeah, absolutely. if you've been following along, absolutely. So, and he's going to start off here with a really uh, profound statement. I think uh, in verse one of chapter five, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. You know how. If you think about that that statement, how can we imitate John? How how can we imitate God and be like his children, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Practically. I, I I mean, I guess you start by saying, okay, well what what is it about what characteristics are shared characteristics of God? I mean, especially on the heels of this you know, idea of living with unity, look what God has done to create unity. Uh, through Christ, mm-hmm. that's the type of picture we want to continue to facilitate. Absolutely, uh, you know, we don't think about the attributes of God very often. We just know that God's out there, yeah. you know, and but there's this this uh, omniscient mm-hmm. character of God where He's all knowing, but He's also omnipresent. He's He's able to be everywhere at once, and right. you know, there's this characteristic of love of God that we can't quite wrap our brain around, mm-hmm. can we now? Right. It's, 
it's um, and I think we just try to say, "Oh, God's out there," mm-hmm. right? And right. and n- we don't really try to wrap our brain around that. But that's a that's quite a bold yeah. statement. Yeah. Um, what might have Paul had in mind when he was uh, talking about being an imitator of God? Um, especially with the reference to uh, as dearly loved children, could he have been talking about maybe imitating Christ, the walk Christ, you know, and... Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, think, think about a child and a, and a father, mm. uh, uh, a picture, you know, it's a country song, you know, I've been watching you, Dad, you know, I want to be just like you type mm-hmm. picture. Um, I, you know, the, the idea of being an adopted child, as an adopted child, you speak... And you have a, you speak often with the authority of your family, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, like like yeah. you're bought with a price. You you've been redeemed uh, from this old way of life to a new way of life, and so uh, living in that constant uh, understanding of of who you are and whose you are, exactly. and that changes because now my perspective is not just about me; it's about those around me as well. Mm-hmm. And notice in verse 2, he says, walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, uh, a sacrificial and fragrant offering, mm-hmm. you know, an offering to God. It's, he's, he, uh, notice there the imagery, this parent-child imagery he's, he's using in these first two verses. It's very interesting. Um, our walk is equated to this, you know, he loved and gave himself. Yeah. So, as an offering. I mean, think about the... The picture of an offering is it's uh, something that would be burnt to completion. Yeah. You know, uh, the the totality of of the offering would be sacrificed in Jewish uh, history. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Paul says, "Make your life be to- in its totality offered to God, so that it's a pleasing aroma." You know what I mean? Correct. Um, there I mean, was always a life being given in an offering, mm-hmm. even in pagan temples in in, yep. in Ephesus. Or in other uh, Asia Minor countries that, like you know, anywhere that Paul might have been ministering to in his first three missionary journeys, they would understand this offering as there was blood being shed and yeah. life being given, and you didn't come back from that. You know, that yeah. offering was final, given completely. It was one hundred percent. Nothing is. I mean, think about how different that is from Christianity today. Absolutely. Not that it should be, but but but. <laughs> we said, well, well, Jesus. I mean, I give you my Sunday mornings for an hour. You know, I'll, I'll give give you a, my my Bible study, yeah. You know, whenever I do that, uh, but don't ask me to be nice to my neighbors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or to be genuine about this be, whole thing, right? I'm, you, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like we put, you know, but let your life be imitators of God. Therefore, do they love children? Uh, live your life w- with this aroma of sacrifice. Your that's whole right. life is not yours; it's sacrificed for, for God. It's that's a huge deal. And even beyond that, you're you've been purchased. Yeah. By this mm-hmm. sacrificial blood, that's right. You, your life doesn't belong to you now that you've taken yeah. on Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Your life belongs to Christ. He's yeah. bought. See, see, I, I think that's the downfall of so many Christians and churches today. We talk so much about how Christ has saved us from sin and eternal <laughs> punishment, but what are we saved for? You know yeah, what I mean? What is it's the always yeah. like a? It, it seems to me as we often do this bait and switch. Mm-hmm. Well, here's grace, grace, grace. There's the bait, and then once we get you, well, here's the switch, and we don't give a, a complete picture of what Christ is offering. You know, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Christ not only deals with our sin—that's the grace aspect of it, 
but he also leaves us in the in the in in, in the in the righteousness in, in the positive. Mm-hmm. He gives us righteousness, right? Absolutely. Which means that uh, there is a outworking of that righteousness. That and I'm so Paul's going to go into this now yeah. in these following verses. He's going to talk about some of the things that are serious downfalls. You know that I think. All of us have dealt with at one point. He says in verse 3, But sexual immorality and impurity or greed should not even be heard among you, as is proper for the saints. Obscene and foolish talking and crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Uh, you know, for now recognize this, even uh, sexually immoral or impure or greedy person or uh, is an idolater. He he reckons this to idolatry. He says they're an idolater. They they do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I mean that's that's big. I mean think about the idolat. You know what what's an idolater? It's someone who gives worship to something else. Mm-hmm. I mean this is a this is a uh, this is a serious charge. Yeah yeah. This is dealing with your heart. Uh, so what rules our heart? would be the question that comes to mind. Or who rules it? Who or what is ruling your heart as a Christian? Is it Christ, or is it X, Y, and Z the other seven days or six days of the week when you're not at church? Or, you know, uh, these are things we got to grapple with. I mean, here's a big thing. He talks about foolish talk and obscene stories and Mm -hmm. coarse jokes uh, that are not for you. Instead, that thankfulness rule you, right? Mm -hmm. That there be thankfulness to God for what he's done. If we live in that posture of thankfulness, then the others there's there's a causation there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you it's it's hard to talk nasty about life if I force myself to constantly be reminded of how thankful I should be and how thankful I am for what God has done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thankfulness isn't an additive. To coarse joking, thankfulness will eliminate these other things. I think. Sure, you know what sure. I mean. Uh, there's there's a a selfishness associated with these sins that he lists here. Yeah. There's sure. a, a you know greed, sexual impurity, impure living. You know these these things that he's listed here. It all deals with me, 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 mm-hmm. me. What I want. Mm-hmm. What what satisfies my flesh. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think Paul's really trying to get us to think outside of that, you know, yeah. outside of that greedy thing here, that that self-sacrificial gift that Christ gave. It's what we are called to, mm-hmm. to give that up. Yeah. Because our life is not our own. Yeah. And I'm, then in by proxy, our life becomes a fragrant offering to yeah. God. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the beautiful part of it, that the gift Christ gave, it wasn't excluding you from these things as much as it was including you in God's things. Yeah. I, I love that yeah. idea that that he's calling you to be that sacrifice as well. Yeah. And why wouldn't he? Yeah, that's right. Why would we be so arrogant to think that God would give us this and then we could go off and do whatever we yeah. wanted the yeah. rest of the time? Yeah. I, it's just pure arrogance. And greediness. Yeah. I mean, th- th- think how opposite thankfulness is is from greediness. You know what I mean? Polar. Yeah, they're, they're, polar. they're, 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 they're polar. Opposite. It's, you know, replacing, 
one is replaced by the other, right? And, and can, you know, along the same lines, uh, if I am ruled by the former things, then I really don't have thankfulness. That's interesting that you're contrasting thankfulness with with this uh, selfishness. Yeah, selfishness. Right. Yeah. Being thankful to God, it takes you taking your eyes off of yourself and placing them on because Christ. what's the subject in that? It's God. It's God. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. With selfishness, the subject is, the subject is me. You know what I mean? Very so, interesting. Very interesting. So so yeah, I mean, but that's what. Many of us struggle with today is this idea of, well, what's in it for me? Or, well, I'm going to give God everything but this. God won't know this closet. God won't know this issue. God, you know, I'm going to, I'll sacrifice everything but. Everything but. You know, it's interesting. I heard a, a guy giving a testimony sometime back, and he was talking about how he was going through a hard time, and, and it was rough, and he was complaining to God, why aren't you fixing this? Why? And oh. God, and he just felt the Holy Spirit within him telling him to start thanking God, thanking God for what he has done. And then the spirit around the whole encounter he was having changed. Mm-hmm. Stop grumbling to God about what isn't happening and give him thanks for what he has done in your life. And it will totally take your vision off of some of the things you're dealing with and put it back onto Christ where it belongs. Yeah, I think yeah. that changes our perspective. Remember, our posture with God is it should be on our knees yeah. and thankful. Now, now th- let me let me stretch this a little bit here, Joe. Go ahead. And set me straight here. Uh, I don't know if I can do that, uh, but we'll, we'll talk. So, he, 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 of course, we understand sexual immorality, impurity, uh, greed. And then he goes on to this other set of things. Since sins like this have no place among God's people, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. I, I, I've been challenged with this past couple of weeks. Well, what is obscene stories, coarse jokes, foolish talk? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? I, I, Vain imaginations. I, I, okay. I, and I'm not trying to give a quick answer here, but I mean, a lot of things will rule a man's heart. A lot of things. And imagination... <laughs> Is one of those things. If if your imagination is powerful, God gave it to us, and it should be a powerful. It's a creative aspect of what God put within uh-huh. us. That spark of God that's within us has that creative. And if we use that for the dark, the strange, the mysterious, whatever, the sexual immorality, impurity, those, and, and allow that to, to rule. But are are you asking? Well, well I, I'm saying there's two different categories here: sexual immorality, greed. Um, where was it? Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. That's one thing. Okay. And then the second list there is obscene stories, starting verse four, obscene stories, foolish talk, uh-huh. and coarse jokes. Here, here's my point. I got you. I think a lot of people will read that. And I think the church has done a poor job teaching on this, uh, really. And I, and I understand why. I don't think it's a wrong thing necessarily. But I think a lot of people really beat themselves up because – they might say something that they that or that our our society considers as uh-huh. profanity, mm-hmm. and I think we judge that and we're kind of picky about that. But I don't think that's necessarily what Paul's talking about here. No, I don't think he's talking about profanity. No, no, I I, I would agree with you. Um, <laughs> I I would be careful here, right? Right, because yeah, I know 
the culture we grow up in a lot of times determines that. But I'm going to ask you a question. Where's your heart at when you said what it was? Mm-hmm. You know when you say something. Are you being are yeah. you being crude? Right. Right. Are you being Yeah. Are you are, are you trying are you your, trying yeah. to perpetuate yeah. something nasty? Yeah. Are you trying to degrade somebody? Are you trying to make a sexual illusion right, right, on right. somebody? Yeah. If you're doing that, it, Paul is just simply saying, don't let it have a place among you. Yeah. Don't let that be named among you that that's happening because it's not becoming. Mm-hmm. So he's talking not necessarily, oh, that's going to exclude you from heaven. He's saying it's just not good form, yeah. guys. It's it's well, bad form. What's the purpose behind it? Exactly. Right. Uh, if I hit my hammer and I say a four-letter word, is that what Paul's talking about here? I would say no. And notice he contrasts it in that very verse with, but rather giving thanks. He doesn't just say, hey, don't don't be doing this. Give thanks to God. Yeah. Instead, instead of doing something like that, talk about how thankful you are mm-hmm. for what God's done for you. He does, And he does a really good job filling in that blank there that we should be giving thanks to God that's, instead that's of right. having a part in the crude joke. So <clears throat> there's been more than once I've, just turned and excused myself from a conversation when I know that's right. Yeah, that it and just understandably and rightfully going, so. Yeah, it's just not going to lead to a good place for me. Yes, I I understand. I've always hated though when this verse was pulled out by an adult telling a kid, "Hey, you don't say stupid because oh, <laughs> of, you know, or, or anything, really anything else." I mean, it starts with stupid or whatever. Um, I think Paul's got an intention in mind. Right, right. Definitely, you know when your heart's not right with God. Because profane language, and this is a topic for another day perhaps, sorry. (laughs) Oh, go go ahead. Profane (laughs) language is a cultural mandate and not a biblical one. Exactly. Now, there is profanity uh, that is not not excusable within Scripture. You know what I mean? Um, I get it. But, such as such as using the Lord's name in vain. Exactly, we've become far too callous with saying that. Yeah. I'm so proud of my 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 youngest. My she just turned well, eight. Paul and, on several occasions uses the the profanity. Greek word for yeah. Yeah. feces. Yeah, fecal in se- matter mm-hmm. in, in several places. You know, yeah, he, and, and and not just the Greek word for feces, but it's the obscene Greek word. Yes, it was the vulgar. So it's not just poop. It's, a vulgarity. it's equ- equivalent to sh word. Yeah, right. Exactly. So you thought I was going to say? It. <laughs> I thought You're you were like, going oh, for no, it. Here it goes. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Right? John. <laughs> yeah. I'm dumb, but not that dumb. I'm not going to record that. Um, so, um, so you have this contrast yeah. that Paul's giving here, and he's going to carry that forward yeah. into the next what nine verses. Yeah. He's going to to start contrasting light versus yeah. darkness, yeah, and get maybe fill in some of that blank of why, mm-hmm. yeah. why, why is this important? Um, he says, "Let no one deceive you." with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore do not become their partners for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord live as children of light. You see, he's, he's already setting it up here uh, that there's this uh, coming wrath, Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, you need to be aware of this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we get by with nothing. That's, that's the message of the New Testament. We get by with nothing. We're either going 
uh, to receive the full grace of the Lord or we're going to receive eternal judgment and punishment. So what are some of these empty arguments that maybe Paul was talking about here? Oh, I mean, part of it might be um, Gnosticism in the first century. It mm-hmm. says, that, hey, it doesn't Bingo. matter what you do with your body. Um, that, listen, and, and this isn't gone. It's not gone. It is very prevalent today. This is a teaching that I've heard very recently <laughs> in our county. I'm sure. Well, you it doesn't have. matter who you sleep with. That's things of the flesh. The Gnostics still live. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, they don't know that's what they are. But that's, you know, what, but that's the Gnostic it's the teaching. Same it doesn't matter who you sleep with. Oh. Listen, I mean, that's things of the flesh. We need to care about things of the spirit. That that's what he's talking. And so we see a very definite reason why Paul was warning them, yeah. them not to partake in these Listen, yeah. these things because yeah. where your heart lead you, your yeah. body will follow. Well, yeah, absolutely. And generally speaking, we behave ourselves away from we do. doctrine and theology, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we how many people justify, have— yeah. what, What's the big word today? Deconstruction. Deconstruction is a uh, tool of Satan. It is a tool you of Satan. You cannot be a Christian and a deconstructionist. It is. Period. We'll talk so more about that. So if you don't know what deconstruction point. is, it's mm. where people are examining this idea of what Christ did on the cross and was it really necessary— and they're talking themselves out of being a Christian. Were they ever there? I don't know. Here, well, I, I, go, I would go push ahead. a little bit and, and say that deconstructionism is um, uh, people today deconstructing. It's part of the, the um, uh, well, critical theory. Um, but, critical race theory. Um, or critical theory as a whole. Uh, uh, oh, and then critical race theory is a segment Subset of that. Of it, yeah. But but deconstructionism says, okay, I'm going to uh, work backward where I am today and look at how Western civilization and that patriarch, uh, p- patriarchal, uh, uh, chauvinist, <laughs> uh, whatever, uh, has misconstrued uh, what the scripture says, what the real scripture says. Many of them would end and say, well, we don't really know what the Bible really says because it's been tainted by male, um, I'm sure white male um, patriarchy. So they go back, and and the end game is this, uh, this amoeba of love. Well, God is love, right. so love, right. and love is love, and love. But what they lovey, end up lovey. doing is totally it's making the cross of no effect. Absolutely. It, Listen, it, if you don't see the gravity of uh, this past weekend, for example, we celebrated the Easter Sunday where we set aside a special day uh, on top of what we usually do. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, but especially celebrate that. On Easter Sunday, we remember and reflect upon this. If we don't understand, don't understand the gravity of what took place, then grace is nothing. Boy, I really felt it last weekend, John. Man. It was, it I was, mean, it's pointless. It was heavy. Heavy. Love is the is the mantra from hell today. It is. It, and it's, it's not really calling, love that they're preaching. It is the calling card of Satan himself. It, yeah. Well, just love people and let people love people. And if you have these genuine genuine feelings of love to this direction or this direction, then let it be okay. No, that's not what Scripture teaches. It's definitely the not. The heart is deceitful among all things, above all things. Excuse me. So oh. we, we see the, the severity of not following what Paul is saying here. Uh because these deceptions are so prevalent today, 
in our church, in our churches, not Leesburg necessarily, right. but that's only by the grace of God. But not excluding Leesburg either. It, we it have does that not within exc- our ranks as well. It, it is there yep. in some of the people that call themselves members. It, it's certainly some opinions there that I've heard, and you know we have to stay on top of that. But uh, this is why we have to be so well-grounded in, in the Word of God. Well, you, sorry, Joe, but let me point out another danger. Sure. Some of our people, I'm convinced, are tied up in this bad theology or teaching without even understanding that they're tied up in it. Because mm. it is counterfeit, and if you're not carefully understanding what the true looks like, you'll fall for the counterfeit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it was Sammy in a message not too long ago was talking about how uh, I don't know. It's a it's a Federal Reserve like teach counterfeits not by showing counterfeits but by examining the real thing. The real thing. They examine the dollar bill yeah. or or the, all those bank notes. They examine them every day. Yeah, looking yeah. at it. Yep. And and so you don't learn what a counterfeit is by learning all the best good counterfeits. You you learn what a counterfeit is by by examining and studying and becoming proficient with the real thing. Exactly. And that's why in our world today. Uh, with the ease of accessibility of uh, biblical teaching or pseudo-biblical teaching, uh, with YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, and and just how quickly you can hear so many sermons or it, or Bible quote-unquote sermons, um, it, it can be a dangerous thing. That's why we can't ever uh, just assume that the person who's speaking is speaking accurately. So here's part of the problem, John, that, that I think people are are dealing with and why some of this teaching is being is being accepted so prevalently. Um, you probably know somebody who's dealing with some of this sin in their own life. People listening to this today, you may have a son or a daughter. You may have an ex-spouse, or you may have a brother or an uncle that is dealing with some of these things that, the, and and you don't want to accept the fact that these people are lost, yeah. and God's chasing them to try to try to catch them to so that they don't go to hell. But just because we love that person, do you think God loves them any less? That's right. Yeah. I mean. He loves them supremely more than you could, and we can't we can't most, change our doctrine and try to make a new truth. The most loving thing we can do is point people to the truth. Absolutely. And have loving, even debate. You can have loving debate. You have to. You, I mean, you don't have to hit people over the head with a stump until they listen. Just have loving debate that shows your genuine care and concern. And listen, I've been proven wrong before. It could happen, you know. There's nothing wrong with pressing. Iron sharpens iron, Scripture says. But if you're not iron and you try to have this debate and you're not well-grounded in the Word of God. If you're just aluminum, you could get You, you could in, get huh? bulldozed yeah. over by yeah. somebody who thinks they know what they're yeah. saying. The big thing is dive into the Word of God. Dive that's that's how you God. know that you're living in the light. It's learn the learn Psalm, the, was it, the Psalm truth. 119, your word is a lamp a lamp unto my feet. Yeah. That's not Psalm 119. Mm. But it's scripture, well, anyway, though. It's in it, the Psalms. It, somewhere in the Psalms <laughs> it says, your word is a, yeah. a, a lamp unto my feet. And a light to my soul. Uh, 
So study the, the true word of God right here and learn it. Verse 9, he says, For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true, is what mm-hmm. my translation yeah, says. Yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, so, so that's God's word. You know, God's word will develop that within you. Yeah. How do you how do you judge the counterfeit by studying the original, the authentic? That's right. You have, and and mine says that it's kind of like a fruit. That the the light within you is kind of like a fruit of yeah. studying it. You know, yeah. and and becoming proficient with the Word of God. And that's what we're doing today, right here with this yeah. podcast yeah. and the one from Wednesday nights when when you're teaching in Romans right now. It's becoming proficient with the Word of God. Yeah. It's wonderful Bible teaching that's at your fingertips yeah. at all times right now. That's so, right. That's right. Uh, uh, in verse 10, he says, uh, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. You know, that's another great point. We need to test all these things. What do you think that means, to test what pleases the Lord? You know, you have to, you have to hold up uh, something that looks like a new teaching against the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You always have to be comparing back. Well, what did what did Jesus say about it? Mm-hmm. What what does the Bible have to say about X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Just like deconstructionism, yeah, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. We know that because we've compared it to what Jesus said. Yeah, we've compared it to what the apostle said to the teaching of, and we see the fruit that it produces. We see where it leads. Mm-hmm. It leads to death and destruction. I mean, Look cast upon here. the rocks. He says, determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, and instead expose them. For it's shameful to even talk about some things that the ungodly people do in secret. Here's a good Here's a good one. I mean, that's huge. If you have to hide it, it's wrong. <laughs> How do we expose it, John? How do we expose these, these shameful things? Well, well, um, I, what's the best way that one could expose that? <laughs> I mean, I think we live as light. We, we live with these... Uh, with the character priorities that we determine from the Lord present in our lives, and that in that we become a light into the places we That's go. That's absolutely right. You know, and so when yeah. when somebody calls me and says, "Hey, man, I'm going to do this immoral thing," hey, at some point they won't even call me because they'll know, "Hey, look." That dude's following Jesus. He's not interested in going to rob at a bank. That's a good thing, though. You know I mean? It's That's a right. really good thing that yeah. they 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 know that because when they fall on the hard time, yeah, and their life has fallen apart. And they're sitting in a jail cell or they're sitting in a hospital bed or whatever it is that that sin's going to lead to. Guess what they're going to start thinking about? They're going to start thinking yeah. about John Welch or Joe Graves or Larry Hyler. They're going to think about, I need to talk to that person yeah. because me doing it my way didn't go so well. And if we never expose those dark yeah. secrets with, lovingly, yeah, with the light of God that's within us, yeah. then they go on living in darkness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, his his idea here in verse twelve is it's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Mm-hmm. The whole idea there is that you you want nothing to do with these evil things, right? And so their their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, and or it, the light yeah. makes everything visible. That's very very good point. The light within us makes it visible. And if you're not shining that light or if you're not in a position to shine that light because you're partaking in some of that, then it's time to realign yourself with Christ. I mean, again, a question I asked a couple of weeks ago is it possible that you call yourself a Christ follower and yet those in close proximity to you would never know you're a Christ follower? 
Is that possible? That's a if question that's a we need to ask ourselves. We really need to do some um, soul searching. Soul searching, yeah. <laughs> this is why Absolutely. it said in the quotes, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, mm-hmm. and Christ will give you light. Yep. What is that, Joe? That quote? That's uh, Proverbs 6 4. It's sort of a quote. It's sort kind of, of a, a change up quote. At it's, this point, it's a mashup between John and Proverbs. At this point, you know, a lot of people think that this is a hymn that would have been sang in church, right. which is kind of neat to think about. Um, uh, this is a. This it's, could be a hymn. It's yep. definitely not a direct quote from Proverbs six, right. but it's it's kind of the idea yeah. to yeah. arise yeah. up yeah. and, uh, you know. But more importantly, here is if this was a hymn in the early church or or something uh, that they were singing in and amongst the believers, you know, that's to stir that that passion yeah, within that's right. them. To, to bring to memory. Does, right? right. It does. It stirs yeah. a passion within yeah. you. Um, and so he says, and so be careful how you live. That's don't, right. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm reminded of like the joke, you know, uh, an older man says to a younger man, okay, don't do anything I'd do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, don't do anything that he did. Yeah. yeah. You know, I get it. That's... Uh, don't live like fools, but instead those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity uh, in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So let, let's stop there for just a second. Do we live our lives deliberately? Mm. Are, are we being deliberate about the way we live our life? That's much of the Easter message, wasn't it? It this was. Passage. Yeah. It was. What, what are you living for? You're, you know, I mean, I mean, and you've seen this so many times with people who um, work and work and work, and they work to achieve their goals, um, and then they they're working largely for retirement, and then they retire and die. And you think, man, got to be something more than that, doesn't there? What was that for? <laughs> you know what I mean? You look forward to retirement for so long, and then you retire, and within two years, you're dead? And you were in such bad health for the two years you retired, you weren't able to do anything that brought you Didn't joy? Didn't even enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, we see yeah. that time and time again, and you got to start asking yourself the question, as Paul's urging us to, to ask, what are you living for? What drives well, what, your, your uh, what drives the sails on your boat? Yeah, I, I, re- recently, um, I was uh, Stephen Covey. Is that right, Stephen Covey? He was the seven habits of effective. He's our, the Christian's favorite Mormon. Uh, <laughs> the seven <laughs> habits of effective people. Yeah, seven uh, the guy that's taken over his his yeah. uh, leadership network. Uh, he, he was talking about uh, living a life of 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 uh, abundancy. Uh, and what that means is, as he defined it, was um, everyone's got to ask the question: Well, how much is enough? What's my goal? And once I find that goal, whatever that is, then I can start to really live a life of an abundance because I'm not, I'm no longer, you know, aiming for this goal. Mm-hmm. Applied to our situation, it's not necessarily acquiring; it is understanding who you are and whose you are. Well, yeah, and there's this power struggle that a lot of people uh, deal with. Yeah, I. 
Sometimes, you know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but Jordan Peterson has actually given his life to Christ. You know, I've heard that. I've, I've yet heard to it. see that. I, I have seen the video where he talked about how Christ is now a Savior. It, it is out there. And I'm somewhat hesitant to talk about Jordan Peterson because of his history, but he has— uh, Come out and listen. Said, he's got a. He's got a very. He's got a really bad view of scripture. He does, I, I, or he did. He did, perhaps. Yeah, he's perhaps got a lot different. of stuff. In, but we all have a history. Now, I, mm, yeah, th- this is a very recent development. But anyway, he was talking at one point about you only need about sixty thousand dollars a year to live an affluent yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That and I say only. A lot of people can't reach that. But after after sixty thousand. It's all excess, and it's being store, stored, yeah. stockpiled, and stored up. And I, I think and his point a, in that was it's a marginal difference between sixty and a hundred. That's right, or two hundred thousand. Because your life habits don't change. Exactly. You know what I mean. So you know how much is enough? Why are we so driven mm-hmm. for that dollar? Why are we so? Uh, I mean, I drive a big diesel, brother. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't. Yeah, yeah, but we all think that way, yeah. don't we? we? Oh, yeah. How would we expand our spending yeah. if we had a little extra money? Sure. We're, we're just naturally driven to that instead of how could I help people more if I have more money? And, and here's the thing. It's not about what you have or what you earn. I mean, that's not our point here nor Paul's point. The point is is living thoughtfully with what you do with what you have. Exactly. Listen, if you're making $200,000 a year, praise God for it. Understand that it's by his grace mm-hmm. that you're making that. And so live accordingly. But if you're spending 80, 90 hours a week doing that? Well, yeah. Yeah, and then, neglecting then your wife and your problem. kids. Yeah, yeah, you're neglecting your sure. family. And, but if you're just yourself, well, you know, that's one thing. But if you're neglecting your little kids or— <laughs> Listen, I, I, I was told one of my former students uh, this past week bought three pairs of gym shorts— and I don't know how this came up in conversation, but bought three pairs of gym shorts and then had shipped to his house. He's a young man, probably 25, 26 years old, uh, working a very high-paying job. Paid $200 plus. It's $210 for three pairs of gym shorts to go and sweat into. And I'm thinking, boy, you are the dumbest kid I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I just wanted to reach out and touch him. You know what I mean? In a negative way. Uh, just punch him i mean $200 on gym shorts but in the scope of his life that makes that's nothing right he's got the money the bigger question is okay fine have your $200 <laughs> shorts i guess um <laughs> but what are you doing what are you doing with what god's given you are you living intentionally are you making is a, it de- is it yeah. a deliberate choice yeah and i think for a lot of people they're chasing a, a ghost, a, a ghost of a future. Yeah. Well, I think I'll be happy if I get this or if get I this get or that, get this. Get or, you know, never seen a sad person on a jet ski. And well, as soon as you get there. I've seen a lot of divorced people with jet skis. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them get sold. That's right. Maserati's yeah, those, and all kinds those of Those divorce attorneys are expensive, <laughs> huh? They, uh, you know, it's like that trying to reach the end of that rainbow. You just never get there. That's right. And it's an empty... It's an empty specter of a dream. Yeah. It's just nothing yeah. there. Yeah. And so, you, how much is enough? What yeah. What's your goal? And, and maybe this, when, the, when our go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm just saying when our goal is aligned with God's goal for us and His mission, the mission of the church, 
that's where we find ultimate fulfillment. That's the only thing that really matters mm-hmm. at the end of the day. The the boats are going to waste away. The trucks are going to rust. But if we understand the gospel correctly, then what we're investing in now has eternal ramifications. I'm not just investing for a good life now. I'm investing with a good life forever. Eternity for the Christ follower has already started. You know what I mean? We just don't think about it, do we? We just don't think about it. But eternity for the Christ follower has already started. So in order to live like it's already started, Paul is going to give some advice in the next four verses. Verse 18. Verse 18, uh, advice on how to live. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he finishes it with submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. See, I struggle with 21 because I would put 21 in the next too. section. Right? It does. And, and, and I struggled yeah. with it when I was yeah. writing it but, out that it probably should have yeah. been. Yeah. But, Joe, let me ask you a question. Why in the world, in this little section, does he mention being drunk with wine? I mean, all the things he could mention. Mm-hmm. Why drunk with wine? You know, it was prevalent. Wine was pretty well the way you got your liquid, right, for your yep. meal. It, drinking the water was kind of dicey. It had to be purified, boiled, and then cooled, and it was just tough to get good water. And we don't realize that nowadays. we got a faucet we can go turn on, and boom, there's some water. You know, it's everywhere. We, it's the hallmark of the first world country, yep. right, prevalent water source. And we forget there were open sewers running down most of these. But he could say, don't cities. run around with whores. He could sure. say, uh, you know, don't eat too much food. Here's one a, thing that's a, really a big about getting drunk with wine. You would do things you wouldn't otherwise do. That's out of your character as a Christian. Mm-hmm. I can tell you from personal experience, if you take one drink too many, you can start to say things you wouldn't say. You can think things you wouldn't say. You can do things you wouldn't normally do. Look at the cause that he gives. Why why shouldn't you get drunk with wine? Because that will ruin your life. It'll be the end of you. What's, what what yours say? Uh, let's see here. It says uh, Verse it leads to reckless living. It leads to reckless living. He, he, here's, here's, I guess, my point that I'm wanting to point, uh, point to. He's, he, he's talking about live with thoughtfulness, uh, making the most of every opportunity. In order to do that... We, we understand that we have to live with discipline, right? To make the most of every opportunity means you live with discipline. Um, he uses this, and then he goes directly to don't get drunk with wine. It, it will ruin your life. Why? Because getting drunk, getting drunk with wine, getting drunk, losing uh, your control is a loss of discipline. And, and when you are drinking— excessively you're filling yourself with something with an with alcohol you're filling yourself with that and bad things are going to flow out of that is what he's saying if you fill yourself with lots and lots of drink bad things are going to flow out of it he says instead be filled with the spirit yeah don't be filled with this thing that's going to cause reckless living yeah but be filled with the spirit of god and again my point is it's Dealing with this idea of 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 discipline, it is personal 
discipline. You know what I mean? That's such a huge. I, 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 I'm becoming more and more convinced that discipline is the is the hinge pin for Christianity. Christianity is a life of discipline. I want to go satisfy my selfish desires, but because I'm bought with a price, I've got the Holy Spirit lives within me. Uh, I discipline myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Discipline is such a big thing, being in control. There's a big debate that's coming around the corner. You know, We're almost done, I know, but there's a big debate coming around the corner. And I'm shocked it hasn't gotten further in Kentucky, uh, even this legislative year. And that is the push for legalization of, of medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. It's in, it's it's in down the, the house pipe. right now. Yeah, well, I, I think they just ended last week, I believe. Yeah, they didn't pass and so, it. And so it didn't pass. But listen, the day's going to come and the question is going to become, can a Christian smoke weed? Now, that's maybe a topic for another podcast, Joe. And well, maybe we'll broach we'll that. have to deal with that at some point. But but here's here's the question. Listen, you know I'm a I'm a beer guy. I like beer. I like bourbon. I like alcohol. Okay. I don't drink to excess. I don't get drink and get drunk. But I like it. All right. I can drink a beer or two and not be controlled by it or not lose discipline. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Do that. Fine. But. Can you have any – is there amounts of, of marijuana that can be consumed where you don't lose Well, let me give control? you my personal experience with this. I'm sure you have some personal experience with sure. marijuana. John, yeah. I'm not going to presume you've never That's smoked okay. I've it. been there, done that. I, yeah. I've, I've been there and done that too, and I can tell you that any at all was too much. Yeah, I, I guess that's my point. It, 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 to my knowledge – in my experiences, I've never had marijuana that wasn't uh, exactly. intoxicating. It would intoxicate me off of the first draw, and I was out of control. Listen, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a bad that's gonna, gonna be, be that's thing. gonna be a big conversation one day. I, we don't have time to really. Th- there's but more. I, there's a lot more that we could say about that. I don't know but, if there is a cut down version that could give you just yeah, a little bit. And I don't what know. would be the point? I don't. I don't know. What, where's the enjoyment? I, I mean, don't know. I, I just don't know, John. It's it's a tough topic. It's a big topic, but we're I gonna have to deal with it at some point. Dubious at best. Dubious. <laughs> <laughs> totally dubular. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> Would you close oh. us out in prayer, brother? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. God, thank you so much for your word that shapes us, that directs us. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to be, to continue to become the men that you've called us to be. Uh, Lord, help us to live in the light, expose the darkness. Lord, help us to be men of of control and self-control, of discipline. Lord, forgive us for the times we're not. God, I pray that anyone who listens to this podcast uh, is motivated to go home and love their wives uh, richly, love and invest in their children richly uh, for their good and for your glory. We thank you for Christ, and we pray this in his name. Amen. Join Amen. us next week. Bold, 6 o'clock on Monday nights. We're here on the podcast. Adios. Take care. Be bold. Later.